Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and this is part two in our self-care summer series, a limited series that discusses the actual tangible forms of care that you can provide for yourself to increase your mood, reduce your anxiety, and have an overall more enjoyable, healthy life. Um, And, you know, we started out last week strong. Uh, I got some great reactions from you guys. Thank you so much. Just introducing the topic and talking a little bit about drinking water. Uh, But I have to admit, this may end up being one of my favorite episodes. The research I did for this episode left me feeling fascinated, inspired, uh, surprised, like in the best way. Um, I think you will come away with this with some of those same feelings, hopefully. (laughs) And if you're like me you will be kind of blown away by the results that come out of an everyday activity that some of us try to find the easiest way around taking part in. So without further ado, I hope you're as excited as I am. Let's hop into part two in your self-care summer series with cooking. You and I have lots in common. My request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The importance of a balanced diet. The food pyramid. Do you guys remember the food pyramid? Is that still a thing? Food is not only a necessity to survive, but like as a culture, we love food. The United States has the third highest number of restaurants in the world, beat only by China and India, each of whom have four times our population. So that's, I feel like, understandable. But (laughs) there are nearly 205,000 fast food restaurants in the U.S. and only 64,000 grocery stores. And despite the ease of finding food on the go or sitting in another chain restaurant for dinner, even before the pandemic... The percentage of people dining out has been on the decline, and more people are preparing food at home. According to Bloomberg Business, 82% of Americans' meals are being prepared at home. With the rise of stress and anxiety in the country, that's a good statistic to see. Preparing your food yourself has some traditional common sense benefits that most people will agree with, right? So first of all, you know what's going into your food. You're not being handed something that's been prepared already with God knows what. You are using whatever ingredients you want, and depending on where you live, you may have access to like where those ingredients are sourced from, right? So then you really know exactly what you're putting in yourself. In addition, you maintain control of your nutritional balance this way. You decide how much sugar, fat, and salt you're putting into your meals, and you can add as much or as little color, flavor, and creativity into your meal as you want. In addition to these surface-level benefits, though, here's where the episode gets crazy. Uh, New research from the last five years has shown that mental health benefits of cooking food are widely unknown, but hugely impactful. So let's dive deeper into how cooking is a form of self-care and how it impacts our mental health. We'll talk to some previous guests like before, including one Zen chef, as well as uh, have a chat with my wife. Yeah, Erica's going to make an appearance and ask her how she tolerates cooking meals for us and what she gets out of it. So let's let's jump in here. I have to admit, when I saw a food blogger reference an article from a kitchen cabinet website that discusses cooking as a form of self-care, I was a little more than skeptical. 
Uh, much to my surprise, though, this article, it's titled Eight Ways Cooking is a Form of Therapy, and it's on kitchencabinetkings.com, literally a company to order custom kitchen cabinets. Why is this article here? Regardless, um, this article is heavily researched and included references to multiple peer-reviewed journals and reputable news sources like the New York Times. And on a side note, I wrote SEO articles for a while, and even with that knowledge, I cannot figure out why this article is on this website. It makes no sense at all. Anyway, <laughs> this was the first step that took me down the rabbit hole. While there are not a large number of studies and research done on the subject specifically, the studies that have been done are in-depth and show results that will likely result in much more research on this topic. So first, let's start with those eight ways cooking is a form of therapy. So they are increased sense of calm, mimics meditation, makes you smile more, provides a low-stress environment, sharpens new skills, bolsters confidence, develops focus, strengthens senses. Those are all good things, right? We can agree there. So let's dive into some of those. We'll hear from some familiar voices and find out what peer-reviewed academic research has found on the subject too. First, we have an increased sense of calm, right? I think this is beautifully and anecdotally described by Lauren. My name is Lauren Carroll. I am a mother, a wife, a woman who is passionate about helping myself and other people feel good. And I pursued a certificate in plant-based nutrition. When my youngest, who's now 10 months, was six weeks old, we went on a family vacation with my husband's family. All of his siblings and step-siblings were all together in this rental house. And I had my baby in a carrier. I was wearing him. And we were all taking turns helping with meals. And I had him bouncing in the kitchen and I was helping, you know, prepare various parts of the meal. And a few people came up to me and said, like, do you want me to help him or you sh you don't need to be doing this? And I was in my zone. I loved it. I There was music playing and I had my baby with me and I was stirring, you know, something on the stove and it was awesome. So that's not everyone's happy space, but for me, that's it. So find what you love and lean into it. Lauren's story, I think, perfectly encapsulates what I think would be a very stressful time for most people. You know, you're surrounded by family and extended family in a busy house, lots of people in the kitchen. I personally think I would be like, eh. Uh, <laughs> but she finds herself in the zone, right? That's what she says. She's calm, almost meditative, um, which leads to that second benefit of cooking, right? It mimics meditation. I'm going to butcher this name, but Dr. Sixent Mahali from the University of Chicago found that because cooking food is a basic human trait, our ability to think and calmly contemplate is sharpened. So this mindfulness is imperative for any sort of meditative state. Let's hear more from an expert in mindfulness and cooking. My name is Aaron Kozad, professional chef. Uh, additionally, I am a Zen teacher at Dharmagate Zen in Troy. I caught Aaron on the drive between the Zen Center and the restaurant where he's a chef. Uh, but one of the things that always jumped out to me right away, when you're on a cooking line and you're highly trained and you've been doing these same movements, you know, the way you pick up your tongs, the way you flip a pan, the way I even fold my towel is the same every time. So when you have these repeated ritualistic motions like this and the movements become automatic to the point where you don't need to think about doing them. 
it very much becomes a form of active meditation where some of the times that I felt most fully immersed in the moment, which really the goal of Zen is complete absorption in the moment. I think that some of the times I've been most absorbed in the moment would be on a cooking line. Specifically, saute is my favorite station. You'll have like, you know, 12 burners and you might have six different dishes going at any given point on these 12 burners and you're heating pans for the next dishes and you're flipping back and forth between what you're doing and adding cream to this and flipping a steak over here. And, you know, it's just this multifaceted thing where if you can move automatically, it, there's a real joy to where you are just the moment. You know, you kind of become immersed with everything else around you and the actions. And you can just sort of shut your mind off and all the disparate thoughts and worries and plans and regrets and whatever bounce through your head in a given 30 second period just kind of go away. And it's sort of a, more of a connection to like the true nature of being, which is the, the goal of Zen. When I think of this focus and mindfulness mindset, I think of what people call shower thoughts. Those little ideas and solutions you come up with in the shower when you're just doing this routine that you've done, you know, a thousand times before, hopefully. <laughs> but all your senses are being stimulated at the same time, right? Because you have the sound and the feeling of the water, um, the smell of the soap, maybe the taste of the soap, if you <laughs> screw that up somehow, and the typical like solitary type uh, colors that cover the walls or the shower curtains. Yeah, there's there's definitely a different mental space that you that you can enter to get the true feeling of that Zen absorption in the moment. It does take some practice, but I think that there is a difference between letting the mind wander and letting thoughts pass by and watching the mind arise. And it's a it's a hard distinction unless you've done the meditation practice. But I think once you start to do it, you, you get it. Another article I read that had me thinking of Aaron was from the Journal of Nutrition, Education, and Behavior. In this article, they talk about how they use culinary therapy as a tool for people in recovery from substance use disorder and how impactful it's been. Um, on his episode of Friend Request, Aaron talks in depth about his own recovery and the fact that cooking in his career might be even better for him than he knows. The main thing about recovery that I've found is that you know you have a bit of an obsessive compulsive brain and it happens to have latched on to things that are very unhealthy for you that will ruin your life uh and if you can take that obsessive compulsive brain and steer it toward things that are beneficial for you and the world around you and your life that's a good first step ultimately i think you don't want to be obsessed with anything right but that takes a lot of time and your brain's kind of not wired for it I think that it's more about giving something for that obsessive compulsive brain to dive into that is beneficial. Now, I do think that there's a huge element of nutrition with recovery because in general, addicts aren't very nutritionally sound. Part of the reason you feel like crap is not just because you don't have your drugs, but because you haven't done anything to fuel your body in a healthy way either. One part of it is that you have to sort of take a, an eye to every aspect of your life that you've been neglecting and you start to pay attention to that and you find after a while 
that once you balance all that stuff out, feeling good actually feels pretty good. And you start to kind of get addicted to being healthy. So we know that the cooking process is great for calming your mind and creating an almost meditative sense of mindfulness. But what about taking on an already stressed mind? A lot of cooking happens at the end of the day, and whether it was a shitty work day or you had to white knuckle through rush hour traffic, you know, finding a reason to use a knife for chopping vegetables instead of chasing off that beamer that cut you off uh, seems a little counterintuitive at the time. But alas, you know, it's it's wrong to chase the guy in the BMW, and uh, you know, there's evidence behind cooking taking away some of that stress and anxiety from the long day and the long drive. In her research for an article she wrote for the Washington Post titled, How Cooking Became the Perfect Recipe for My Spiraling Anxiety, Jamie Friedlander found that a study in the Journal of Health Education and Behavior showed cooking seemed to increase self-esteem and improved psychological well-being. It also appeared to decrease anxiety and agitation in a variety of people, including burn victims and those with dementia. Reducing anxiety is a central theme in what a lot of people look for in possible self-care routines. And cooking, turns out, is great for this. Anxiety comes in many forms, and it can be debilitating. Sometimes it's just a feeling of restlessness or an inability to control that feeling of worry. Other times it may show up as being irritable or having difficulty concentrating. For some people, it's all of the above almost all the time. So how can cooking help with anxiety? Well, first of all, it's been proven that having a sense of control decreases anxiety. And when you're making a meal, you have all of the control over how it's prepared, what's in it. In lots of cases, the timing as well, right? And in addition, the serotonin released while you're cooking reduces stress and following recipes and processes can assist with concentration and take your mind off of other things that might be going on in your life. So let's get some input from this beautiful lady. My name is Erica Lamb, and I am a person. I like trying to figure out, like, okay, we're going to have people over. I need to plan this meal or, you know, strategize, shop. It's like a big, big problem that you have to solve. So that's very soothing to me. I really like that. I think it's just like this big thing that I have to untangle in a lot of situations, and I really enjoy that. When I first heard this, problem solving seemed like an odd thing to like about cooking. But as I mentioned before, when it comes to anxiety, having a sense of control, i.e. being able to solve these problems can be a huge for anxiety, uh, which Erica speaks more to here. Anxiety is definitely something that I that I deal with. But yes, like I have a standard recipes that I make. I can kind of shut my brain off. And especially after a really stressful day, maybe at work, um, I tend to not make anything too big or inventive or new after when I know that I'm going through like a stressful or anxious period. Um, because when I'm making things that I make all the time, it's like autopilot. I don't even have to like look at the recipe that I maybe initially used because um, I just know it by heart or I know what I like or I just know what I want to make. Um, so it definitely helps calm me down after a long day. So it's it's helped on my anxiety in that respect. That calming effect is directly related to the mindfulness we've already discussed. And the way we can gain some form of euphoria or clarity while preparing and cooking food is something that's been tested and proven time and time again. 
As I continued my research into the benefits of cooking food, I found a familiar word popping up all over the place. Creativity. I hadn't thought about this when I initially started to do this episode. But the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. You're literally creating something brand new. You're just taking ingredients and manipulating them to become something else. A study in the Journal of Positive Psychology finds that creativity you use specifically in cooking increases overall positive psychological functioning. And in another journal, Healthcare, a practice popular in Korea known as food art therapy, I love this, combines cooking with art and leads to positive thinking and self-discovery. The researchers noted that individuals experience an improvement in their self-expression and ability to be social beings, all from creating art on their plates. This is amazing. Here's Lauren again. I don't follow directions very well, but that is what makes cooking enjoyable for me is that it's an opportunity for me to rely on my experience in the kitchen and just kind of eyeball things and um, taste test, you know, rely on my senses and my instincts to prepare food. And I have come to be able to do that with time after preparing certain types of recipes, you know, multiple times. So when you've done it enough times and you can nail it without actually having a specific recipe that you follow, that to me is one of the best feelings. And here's Erica with another idea for creativity in the kitchen. You kind of figure out what you like, what you don't like, and then I can get creative with recipes based on what I've learned about my preferences. And then I'll think of things that I want to make. I would say probably 60-70% of the time there's a recipe out there that matches exactly, and then the rest there's a recipe out there that matches enough to where I can kind of fill in what I want to do, like the missing pieces, you know? Um, So I can get creative in those ways. Perhaps my favorite metaphor of all, though, regarding creativity and cooking comes to us from Aaron. Here he is again in his car. Yeah, I think creativity is like the the center of like my being. Whatever I do, it's like I want to do something creative. So whether it's painting or writing songs or playing music or making food, there is something very satisfying about taking base elements of things and making something unique to yourself from it. It's very satisfying. Cooking, I always describe to people as a lot like, you know, learning to play an instrument. First, you start with uh, the basics, right? You got to learn your scales. You got to learn to like chop, saute, you know, the elements of what it means to, to cook. And then you start to play other people's songs. So you take recipes from people that you like and admire and you learn, you don't change them. Like I think a big mistake is right off the bat, a lot of people want to take a recipe and make it their own, but they haven't learned. So you need to make it the way that the chef intended it first and try to understand what they were doing. And then you would take like, you know, sometimes you'll take riffs from a song and you'll start to write songs around those riffs. So now you can take elements and preparations from those recipes and see how they work with new things you've created. And then eventually you're just full on, you know, writing your own music or writing your own recipes. Finally, I have to point out the biggest surprise I found that resulted from what may have been my blind spot in doing this episode. 
I went into this with the assumption that everything self-care related to cooking and all the positive results you can yield from it, mindfulness, reduced stress, anxiety, calmness, all the stuff we talked about, all had to do with the actual process of cooking. But in talking to people and reading these different research studies, I found the biggest thing I was missing was the end result, the intention you put into your cooking because of who's eating it. Here's Lauren again discussing her favorite part about it. I love that when I prepare food, I'm being given the opportunity to nourish people that I care about. And I can be intentional not only about the ingredients that I'm choosing to feed them, but also the energy that I'm putting into the meal as I'm preparing it. The intention put into the preparation and the ingredients and you know, start to finish from farm to table, if you will. <laughs> it matters where it comes from, the plants or animals that it came from, and how it was prepared and how it's consumed, who it's consumed with, all matter. Oh my God, it's so true. I do it and I didn't even think about it. How I get to present the food I make to people is my favorite part. I love the opportunity to serve up like a perfectly prepared dish and a picture perfect plate. Like, you know, turn the chicken breast just the right way. And for some people, uh, like Erica, it even triggers a sense of nostalgia. I'm glad you said that. That is like probably the biggest thing that I have with cooking is a sense of nostalgia, for sure. I grew up in a household where my mom, who did work outside of the home full time and had three kids and then obviously my dad, she made dinner seven nights a week. You know, we had family dinner at our dining room table every single night. And when I'm cooking, I definitely feel like my mom, you know, in a way. Like, I feel that I remember spending time in the kitchen with my mom and, you know, standing in one particular corner of the kitchen and, you know, just talking to her and learning from her and hanging out with her, spending time with her. And so being able to do that in my own kitchen with you or just people who are over, my mom, you know, when she comes over and I get to cook for her, you know, it feels like this tradition, this family, just thing that I grew up with that I get to continue in, in my, you know, into my life. So it really becomes a personal thing that you're doing for another person or group of people that can lead to a sense of pride that rules out the most stressful situations. I remember for my friend's engagement party or something, um, instead of catering her mom and myself, we made all the food for like 50 people. And don't get me wrong, we were like extremely stressed out. But we totally nailed it. Like we did such a good job and people and it was vegan, which I don't like always make vegan food. And we just nailed it. And everyone loved the food. And we were so proud of ourselves. After Thanksgiving, when people are like arguing over the pie leftovers or, you know, I just I feel like oh, I really accomplished something. So, yeah, it definitely helps to boost my self-confidence. Like you can do this even when you start out with like this huge task you know, that feels very stressful, even though I kind of enjoy that aspect of it, but it feels very stressful. Um, then you accomplish it and you're like, oh, okay, I can do that. Here's Aaron one last time to really drive the point home. See, I said drive because he's in his car. Get it? When you heat something, it's, it's a chemical change. So at its base level, you know, cooking is applied chemistry. 
and so now you're taking the elements of what's around and you're manipulating and then bending them to your will with your intention that you're putting behind the food and then you're sharing that with someone else who's physically putting it into their body their body is actually absorbing that and changing because of what you gave them and you're eliciting hopefully a positive emotional response so so i think that the reason i was so drawn to cooking is it's creative and it's very personal like they're they're not just enjoying it they're putting it in their body and you know the whole you are what you eat thing when you look at it from a molecular level i mean it's literally true (laughs) you're taking the molecules breaking them down into stuff and making yourself from it I started this episode telling you about how people are cooking 82% of their meals at home. So chances are you're doing that today. Maybe you're doing that right now. If so, thank you for making this show and myself part of your cooking ritual. I hope the next time you get out the cutting board or Google a new recipe, you consider all the good you're doing for yourself. With every chopped veggie, every pan sear, every choice about which spice you choose and how much of it to use... I could have went into a wrap right there. You're bringing a positive, mindful, calm change into your life. Then in the end, you might even get that sense of pride and joy from serving up that food to other people. So if you can't stand the heat in the kitchen, change into some cooler clothes and get back in there. It's really good for you. Come on. Bon appetit. Very special thanks to Lauren Carroll, Aaron Kozad, and Erica Lamb. If you would like to know more about Lauren or Aaron, check out their interviews, episodes 38 and 42, respectively. And if you'd like to know more about Erica, good luck. I'm married to her. I don't even know her middle name. It's crazy. Thank you to Talia Dalton for the theme music, and thank you to all of our Patreon supporters like Katie, Andy, Michelle, Mandy, Dustin, Becca, Kara, Jenny, Faustine. You guys keep the show going and make it possible to continue to bring you awesome content. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And finally, thanks to our sponsors, Bravis Brewing, Wellbeing Brewing, and BetterHelp. When you support our sponsors, you support this show. Thank you so much. I will talk to you guys next week. I am loving these episodes, and I'm don't expect them to get the same uh you know listenership that the regular season gets but i hope if you are listening to this you got something out of it and you're learning something and improving your life because of the information i'm sharing here i'm really enjoying this and i think it's going to be a great summer so thank you so much i'll talk to you next week i love you guys so much Bye bye